My name is Blair. I'm glad you're here. I do some of the teaching around here. And we are in the middle of a series. We're in the middle of a series that we're calling Iron Man Marriage. And, we're, and we chose that because the Iron Man race and marriage have a lot of things in common. And so for the first three weeks, we've looked at some things that they have in common. One of them is they, they both have three legs. So in Iron Man, you swim, you bike, you run. And it's not an Iron Man unless you're doing all three of those things. And the same is true with marriage. We have this little stool. It's built out of respect, love, and serving. And you build those up and you can create a foundation for a relationship that can last. And, and you want it to last because the Iron Man and marriage are an endurance race. You, you don't go in. I mean, the, every part of that Iron Man is long. It's difficult all on its own. So you have to have endurance to do all three. We, we talked about in week two how you just married problems that you will have for the rest of your marriage. Like, it's going to go on and on and on. And if you can't find a way to strengthen the foundation so that you can have some endurance, you're going to have problems. And so you got to do that. Week three, we talked about you got to train. You can't just run an Ironman race. You got to prepare for that. You can't just wind up with a solid foundation. It's not enough not to do bad things in the relationship. You actually have to build good. And so we talked about what that would look like to do some things that would strengthen respect, love, and serving. We're going to do that again today. We're going to talk about another good thing to do. I've been making the case each step along the way that I think the things that we've been talking about can translate into other relationships. Today is probably going to be the easiest one for you to be able to translate into other relationships because it's a universal truth. This is true about life. It also happens to be true in marriage, happens to be true in other relationships, but it's true, period. And I, th I think... Um, maybe at this time in history, more people will accept that and understand that than ever before. So let me get into it this way. A couple weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, uh, we're getting ready for a Bible study that I'm involved with. We're just catching up, just talking. And uh, Rustin kind of turns to me and goes, have you seen the show Alone? I had not. I didn't even, I've never even heard of the show Alone. And so he starts setting out the premise for the show. He says they take 10 people and they drop them in the middle of the wilderness. There's no crew there with them. There's, there's no support staff. It's them against the world. And they're attempting to survive. They've got to figure out how they're going to get food, shelter, water, how they're going to fend off wild animals, how they're going to do it all. And, and how they're going to deal with being isolated, with nobody around. They do this all on their own. I, I was curious. sounded interesting. So I went home and I started watching. And three episodes in, it became clear to me that there was going to be one factor that determined the outcome of the show. By the way, the person who stayed the longest won. And they were given a half a million dollars if they could do it. So, you were, so the stakes were high for you to stay out there as long as possible. But I began to notice very quickly that it wasn't the survival skills that mattered. For They all had those. They all had the ability to survive out in the wilderness. What was different was how they thought about the experience they were in. 
There was a group of them, um, three, who were scared to death of wild animals. And there were dangerous wild animals. There's a picture of a guy on the screen. There's a bear 20 yards from his camp, and that's how he felt, right? He was like, oh my, what do I do with this? He could not stop imagining that he would be uh, bear jerky, and it didn't take long for him to depart. The other two who were afraid of animals left fast. Within a week, they were gone. The next group, they were full of anxiety about what could go wrong. You're <laughs> Everything could go wrong. Everything did go wrong. You're living in the wilderness with no support, no backup. So they were worried about everything that could and would go wrong, and they were just overwhelmed with it, and it did not take long for them to leave the show. Uh, the next group was worried about something different. There was another group who were just, they were deeply concerned about how isolated they felt. And they didn't know what to do with the sense of loneliness that they had. They couldn't shut off their thoughts. Their thoughts were just um, causing problems for them. And slowly, they began to dwindle out. The winner of this thing, there weren't very many um, shows to the season. People were leaving very quickly. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. Um, I mean, it's a lot of money. You would think you're going to stay for a long time. They went to interview the guy who won. They go to his camp, and I think the interview was very telling. He said, I can't believe I'm going home this soon. I thought, I've been trying to figure out in my mind how I'm going to make it through spring. It wasn't even winter yet. They were on the edge of winter. He was past winter. He, he was taking care of that. Like, I'm, I know I'm going to be here through winter. I'm not sure how I'm going to make it through spring. And so he was just in shock. He had a plan for animals. He, had, he never brought up any of those anxieties. This is just the way life is for me right now. I don't get to eat today. I'll be okay. I'd rather sit here than go outside and be cold. That's the way he would talk. His mind is why he won and it turns out your mind is a really powerful thing. In fact, the scriptures would not only say that your mind is a powerful thing, it would suggest that you have to have discipline with it because it's so powerful. Let me show you a few things. This is in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is not your pumping organ this is the core of your being. This is the stuff that you believe. This is the stuff that you think. This is your mind at work in your life. And everything flows out of it. And he says, you better guard that because it has the ability to change and direct everything that you do in your life. Paul gets in on this action. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He writes this about the mind. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. Do you, do you see that action stuff? Like, I am tearing stuff down. I'm ripping apart ideas, beliefs, thoughts that are not right, that don't line up with God. I'm getting rid of those. And other thoughts I take and I, I put them prisoner. I feel that way sometimes when... 
I'm exposed to different temptations. I didn't choose the temptation. I think enemies of God offer you thoughts. And then you have to choose what you're going to do with that. Am I going to dwell on that? Am I going to think about it? Am I going to find myself soaking in that? Or am I going to say, no, I will not participate. I'm not going down that road. That is out of bounds. It's in the prison. And you mentally wrestle with that. Like it, it can feel like a war. Because it is. It's exactly what's going on. Paul was also talking about this in terms of transformation. So he's, um, a couple weeks ago, back in September, we had a group of students who got baptized. They were making a statement. I want to be the kind of person who identifies with Jesus. And because of that, I'm going to line my, line my life up to follow him. And so they were making this declaration. The scriptures talk about what that looks like in our lives when we make that choice. So Paul's writing about it, Ephesians 4.22. He says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. You have all of these things that's churning around in you, and you, you're not there anymore. You're not that person anymore. You have to put those off. You're not embracing those desires. And here's the evidence that something good, there's a list of them. I'm only going to read the one. It's in verse 23. It's the next thing said. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Because I've chosen to follow Jesus, the attitudes in my mind, the stuff that I think, has to change. It has to go in a different direction. What's your experience with that? If you, if you were put in the middle of the wilderness alone, and you experienced thoughts rushing into your mind, flooding you like some of those guys did, how would, how would you deal with it? Is it as simple as to say, I'll just stop thinking that way? It's, it's, um, it's why I will never be really very good at mental health counseling. I think I've admitted this before. Like, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm, I'm thinking this, I would just say, well, stop. Um, that'll be $100. You can leave. I mean, what? I, I suppose you needed that kind of support or something but but you like down deep you know it's not that simple right it's not so simple just to stop because if you could do that you would turn a switch you would do something different and yet here, here's what you also know you know if you don't change the tape that's running in your head that thought that is there it will win over everything else that you attempt. If you come up with a strong determination to do something, but you haven't changed the way you think about it, your determination will lose to your mind. If you decide, I'm going to go to the gym and work out every day, but you don't change the way you think about it, you're not going to the gym if you decide, I'm going to treat this person kindly, but the whole time in your mind, you think about how unfairly they've treated you, it will overrule your desire to be kindness, and what will come out of you will be directed by your mind. This is, this is serious stuff. 
we actually found a song that has those elements in it that we really want you to hear. So um, check this out. Okay, full disclosure. I thought they were going to play a different song. So um, I had a segue that's not really prepared for this song, but it was cool. Like, it fits, it works, there's obsessing, you can feel all of that going on. That's cool stuff. um, The power of your mind is a real thing. And here's what's interesting about this. It turns out, one of the reasons I like research 
And there have been people who have been researching into marriage for a long period of time right now. The reason I love to go and read what they're going to find is I think they'll find what the Bible already says to be true. They'll just give me details um, that are a little deeper. So uh, one of the things that the scriptures would tell us to be true is that your mind is a powerful thing. And it turns out research on this says the way you think about your relationship matters can determine, in fact, the health of your relationship and how long it survives. By the way, this is exactly what the Iron Man and marriage have in common. They, they both are going to require a mental mindset for you to finish well. If, can you imagine running the Iron Man, going into it, going, if I feel some pain, I'm quitting. I mean, for me, that would be a half a mile into the swim. I would be done. Hey, this doesn't feel good. I'm out. Um, but the mindset into a, a marriage where you're like, I've got to have a mental mindset that allows this to go for a long period of time. If I have the right mindset, I could actually build respect, love, serving. If I have the wrong one, it will tear it down. Now, here's what's interesting about the research. It turns out you get to choose what you think. You actually, it, that, it feels like that's not true. It feels like the stuff that you have experienced tells you that, you know what, that can't be right. What, what I'm feeling about this situation is based on something that's true. Maybe it's based on something partially true. It might be based on something that's emotionally true to you. I really feel this way, and you can't deny that. But what they've discovered is that, generally speaking, the stories we tell ourselves are not the whole story. They're not, they're not a complete story. They're the story that you've gone through, and there's like big pieces missing. And yet, that story influences so much of the relationship. You have choices to make about what you'll think about your relationship in your mind that will influence the way you act, the way you talk, the way you react to each other. And you have that control. You do. So at the top of your sheet, we handed these out. Um, and we've been taking notes throughout this series, you can write at the top, write this down. A negative or positive mindset shapes a relationship. A negative or positive, you can use a QR code. Did we put that up? I don't know if we remember that or not. Um, a negative or positive mindset shapes a relationship. How you think about it will have an outcome on this. And research is in agreement. I showed you a few verses about how this is true, about that. The, the scriptures are loaded upon loaded with talking about how we think, resulting in the way we live and act and, and do our stuff. So um, if that's true, if it's true that your mindset will shape a relationship that you're in, it brings us to the question of the day. What are you resting your mind on. When you process, when you think, where does your mind rest? What's its go-to?
place. This will reveal a lot about what's happening inside the relationship. Because if you end up going to a negative place, you know that your mind rests. It already has a negative bent that's going to shape that relationship. If it goes to a positive place where you think positive things, it will have an impact on the relationship. I've had a lot of conversations with couples who are at a place where they think, I don't know if we can keep going, we want to get some help, what do we do? And I made a list, I made a list of things that I've, that I've heard from them that convinced me this is where their mind rests, this is where it goes when it's quiet and the thoughts flood in. They think of the current hurt they're feeling right now and they can't get that hurt out of their mind. They think of the past. It could be something that happened a decade ago and it is alive and well in their mind. And when their mind rests, it rests on the past. It could be a bad experience. It could be some form of irritation that somebody, like, that just irritates me to death and your mind just goes and rests there over and over and over again. The, the problem with a negative mindset is that when your mind goes and rests there, it gives you justification. It gives you justification to look at the failures, the flaws, the annoying stuff that they keep doing, and it, it feeds a loop within you. And it causes all kinds of difficulty. It shapes our mind. The research goes even further. This is kind of amazing to me. The research suggests that if you live with a negative mindset toward your spouse long enough, you will start going back through the past history of your relationship and you will start seeing every event that you had together as negative to the point of when you met. It has that kind of ability. It shapes you. It shapes your mind. It shapes the way you think. And here's the thing. You can handle conflict really well. We talked about that the first two weeks. You cannot fight, and your relationship could look strong. But all that's happening is you're taking stuff, and you're jamming it down in here, and then you're running it through this little cycle up here, and without knowing it, you are on your own, damaging love, respect, and serving in the quietness of your mind. And your relationship ends up harmed. The research suggests that the average for a divorce where you don't fight poorly, but you choose a negative mindset and then you live with it, it's around 16 years. It's around 16 years. You could choose to live a miserable life with each other. Maybe you could do that. Most people don't. And after they've churned on this negativity so long, something breaks. So what I want to try to figure out is how to get away from that. Maybe um, you're going to discover as we're talking that you've got 
some negative mindset stuff that you've got to deal with. Or maybe you just haven't been working at it at all. And it's an opportunity for you to develop a strength. Like we can, if we make this really strong, this could actually help us down the road if we could do this well. So I want to get real practical. I'm going to give you some um, things to fill out in your sheet. And we're going to um, hopefully allow you to take some stuff home that you can process, all right? So if you, if you wanted to do this well, if you wanted to find a way to move to a positive mindset, try this. Rest your mind on things you admire. Rest your mind on things that you admire. These are things that you like about the other person. Maybe you think they do it better than other people do it. And you're, you're encouraged by the character that they have or that trait that you see them doing. You, you see that something in them that God has been doing. And so you find something to admire and you decide, I'm going to find a way to rest my mind there. When my mind goes quiet or when I want to think thoughts about this relationship, I'm going to think about things I admire. Now, if you'll remember week one, we said there was one thing that was deadly to a relationship that chipped away at the foundation of a relationship. Do you remember we said contempt? When you allow contempt into your relationship, that is the sense that you don't even like them. How can you find a positive mindset when you can't even find anything that you like about them to think about? Like, I, I just don't like you at all. I've tried. I'm not finding anything worthwhile right now. That is a deep negative mindset, and it happens in relationships. Thing is, you can overcome it. It's possible. You have control. Here are some of the things that you could do to take you in a direction where you're choosing this mindset. So A, make a list. Sit down and make a list of the things that maybe you admired in the past. There's a reason you like them. There's a reason you said, I want to get married. There's a reason that you wanted to hang around them. What are those reasons? And make a list and then put it somewhere prominent where you can see it every day and look at it. I'm going to keep front of mind these positive things about this person. So start by making a list. B, choose admiration during conflicts. I do this with my wife. Um, my, my wife um, has a lot of kindness, though not perfect. That's not the standard. So it's easy. It's easy in a relationship to go, well, yeah, she doesn't do it all the time. Yeah, that's not the standard. But, but often she's kind. And in moments where there's like, like a discussion that's a little more heated, I'll remember that she's kind, and I'm telling myself during the argument that she's kind, versus this, during the argument, and I'm upset, and she's upset, and I think, what an idiot. Now listen, I bet you, none of you would say that out loud to your spouse, and then live, right? You would not, like, you wouldn't say that, because you know that's dumb. If you wouldn't say it, why think it? But many of us cross the boundary in our mind, in our conflicts, and it is no holds barred up here. It, we just go for it. 
And I'm suggesting to you, if you could find a way to discipline your mind, to even in the conflicts, to find a way to rest your mind on character traits that you value in the other person, it will change the tone and tenor of the discussion. Find a way to integrate this into your conflicts. C, tell them what you admire. You want to get crazy, communicate it. Decide there's something about them that you admire and tell them, I'm, I'm not very good at this, and yet my wife loves words of affirmation, and so this is one of those things I could do better at. Find a way to tell them. And it goes, it goes in hand with D. Tell others that you admire them. This, this happens a lot. You save all of your negative comments for your friend and family about your spouse. And then you wonder why they never ask you to find a way to go and repair that relationship. Because every time they've heard you talk about the person, they're a dirtbag. Why would they encourage you to go back to a dirtbag? But if you've been presenting great stuff all along, great stuff, I admire this, I admire this, I admire this, I admire this, and then they hear a conflict that's not going well, you know what they think? Well, they're normally really good together. Would you just fix this? Like they become a support in encouraging you to go and fix this. But if they haven't been hearing your admiration, you're, you're not going to get them to support the repair of the relationship. So tell others. You can do all of this kind of stuff. Uh, Paul writing in Philippians, it's a verse that gets quoted a lot. It's because it's brilliant. Listen to what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, leaving nobody out, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, how about that? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a choice to find those things and to rest your mind there. If you want to make a difference in your relationship, if you actually want to strengthen the foundation of your relationship, you'll find things to admire and you'll rest your mind on them. Number two on your sheet, write this down. Rest your mind on thoughts of fondness. Thoughts of fondness. Um, th this is about things that you enjoy together. Tracy and I, uh, we've talked about this and I'll probably continue to talk about it because it continues to be at the top of the list for like positive sentiment between us. We had an anniversary trip at year 25. This is now eight years ago. But when we think back on that, it's fond memories for both of us. We had a great time. It was relaxing. We didn't have a lot of pressure on us. We did a lot of different things. We relaxed. We, like we had a really incredible time, and we remembered how much we liked each other on that trip. So when we think about it, it's rejuvenating. So A, revisit great experiences. If you've had some great experiences, why not revisit those in your mind and give your thoughts to stuff that make you think fondly of that other person, fondly of your time with them? B, Find and enjoy common interests. Now, this could be hard. I, I mean, my wife and I are opposite in almost every category that you can test on, from personality to love languages to, I don't know, every. We like to eat out together. 
We like to hike on vacation, and we like to rest on vacation. That's all we have in common. No, no, that's not true. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying it wouldn't be two-sided. Like, you wouldn't be able to flip the page and go, oh, wow, you guys got a lot. No, we don't. But we pay attention to the stuff that we do, and we try to find a way to enjoy that with each other because we're building memories that allow us to grow a strong foundation. You, you find those, and you invest time with each other doing those things to create fondness. C, recall acts of kindness. The person you are with was made by God. And when they are in alignment with God, they more than likely, because this is the way God kingdoms, God's kingdom works, they did something that was an act of graciousness to somebody else because God's kingdom is focused outwards. And when you catch them doing something that aligns who God made them to be with an act of kindness, that can be something that becomes a fond memory. When they were the person God meant them to be, it ought to be a place where you rest your mind and feel encouraged that they were doing this. So you have options. You have options of what, what you could do to rest your mind. Now, number three, this is the big dog. I would call it the granddaddy. You could do all the other things that we were talking about, and if you get this one wrong, it won't matter. It'll, it will harm your relationship, period. Here it is. Value their uniqueness. Another way to say that, don't give your mind to comparison. Don't give your mind to comparison. There's a reason coveting makes it in the Ten Commandments. This tendency to look at what somebody else has and want it and desire it. I'm telling you right now, I watch this. I have conversations with couples who've done this where that process of coveting has happened with a different relationship. Why can't I have what they have? Why can't we do the things that they do? Why can't... You want to know where it leads? Ultimately, the comparing that you start to do internally in here will often lead to this thought. I can do better. I can do better. Uh, the problem is the research has found that this is built on a lot of falsehood. There might be a real person that you're comparing to, but you're comparing a fantasy you want to know why it's a fantasy? Oh, you're not, probably not going to like this, but it's true. You're not in that relationship. Like, you take half the stuff with you. And at this point, you found a way to covet. You're going to covet in the next relationship. So you're comparing yourself to a, a relationship, but you're not in it. And sometimes people compare themselves to a fantasy. It's not even real. And what they found in the research is that the person who doesn't know this is happening, they're now being measured by a yardstick that's never been communicated, that they don't know about, and is impossible for them to meet. And it will not take long. 16 years. Or less. Because this is also one of the steps, by the way, 
that can often lead to an affair. When you start to compare and you believe that you deserve better or that you can do better, your heart and mind get led down a path that's dangerous. That's what I'm saying. This will just, you can have all kinds of admirable and fond thoughts. But if you, in the quiet of your mind, are comparing that person to some other ideal, it is not going to go well. They, they cannot meet this false standard that exists in your mind. And eventually you will find that even if you leave and go grab that other relationship, that it has problems too. All of them do. It's actually a state of mind that Paul talks about. This is in 1 Corinthians 2. Um, He's going to state a question that's true. He's then going to go on to build a point. I'm not going to look at all of that. I'm just going to look at the fact that he used this question as a true thing. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? You know that's true. Nobody else knows what you're thinking. Nobody else knows why you're thinking it. Nobody else has access to that. And if you're not careful with what you build up here, you will build all kinds of negative views of the other person, negative comparisons of the other person that they can't overcome. And it's, it's, it's in your control. You could do something about it. Now let's say for a second that you wanted to. Let's say... I'm hearing this, it's, I get it. How I think about my relationship matters. I'm, I've got to do something different. I've got to find a way to make a good habit or I've got to find a way to change a bad habit. What do I do? Well, you, you pick one off the list. You come up with a strategy, you try it, and then you measure it. Is it working? Are you able to stick to it? Because here's what you need. <laughs> it's on the bottom of your paper. It's on the bottom. And this is, this is why you have to understand how serious this is. It takes six weeks of consistent, positive thinking to begin turning from a negative mindset. So if you give it a month, you give it a solid month, and you're like, I don't feel any different about them. No, of course not. The the research suggests that this is going to take three to four months. When you dig a hole, it takes a long time to fill the hole back in. And we don't, we're an instant society, man. But if you want to see results on this, you have to do this for stretches of time where you're thinking positively about the other person. If you want this, it's within your control to do, but you're going to have to be disciplined in order to do it. Everything the scriptures would tell you, the research backs up. If you want this, it's possible but you're going to have to be disciplined over a long period of time. Otherwise, your negative mindset will win out. And the way you think about that person and the way you think about your relationship will be skewed. So how about it? Is there just one on the list that you think, I think I could do a better job at that. 
I'm going to try to figure out a way to start implementing that over the next three months. Tell yourself, I'm, I'm doing a three-month deal. And you start resting your mind on things that would honor God in your relationship. And it could be that God's talking to you about something other than your relationship right now. Same process. You're, you're going to have to rest your mind on the positive for longer than a week, two weeks, six weeks, two months. It's going to take time. But given enough time, it will change what flows out of your heart. And it will strengthen the foundation of your relationship. As you think about the thing that you want to try, I want to pray for you real quick. God, um, these tools that you gave us, these minds that we have, they're powerful. And uh, sadly, at times, uh, we use them in ways that bring harm to our relationships, harm to each other. I just ask that you would encourage us to go in a different direction, to decide that we're going we're gonna to battle and tear stuff down, that we're going to put some thoughts as prisoner, that we're going to actually choose positive things to put in place, and we're going to do the work. God, I'm, I'm convinced that you want strong relationships. You want our foundations to be built up over time. And this is the kind of stuff that's required. So, Give us the courage in the quiet moments of our life to evaluate what comes flooding in. Is this, is this a positive mindset? Is this a negative mindset? And if I find one or the other, what am I going to do to either, like, I'm going to destroy this thing. I'm not going to allow this negative mindset to be there. Or I'm going to strengthen this. I've got a good start, but I want it to be stronger. God, give us wisdom and the courage to do something for a long period of time, to do it right. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.